Hey guys, this is C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life. Do another episode for season 17. I believe this is episode nine, who are the Delta Quadra, uh, also known as the Philosophers. And uh, yes, the last episode of season 17 was very controversial, talking about the Wayfarers and a lot of the negative uh, tendencies or habits that Wayfarers have and some positives, but if you guys kind of notice the overall theme of the Quadra Lectures were really, uh, the first four Quadra Lectures were really outlining a lot of the negative, uh, the negatives of each of the Quadras and kind of how they uh, interface with a, a concept known as sin nature and the like, uh, because we're really trying to identify the source of the problem with the human condition and how it actually manifests amongst each of the Quadras so people can have uh, a better understanding of evil. Uh, so that they can have a better understanding on how to solve it. And we're going to be tying all that together in the next episode, which is episode 10, which will be looking at the quadras and then uh, uh, as a whole, and then how they interact with one another and why they're really important, as well as what kind of practical applications uh, we'll be able to provide as a result. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of content here. Season 17 is like super mega meaty. And then episode 11, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, child development and a competing theory uh, between me and my INFJ mentor and uh, many arguments that we've had. And I'm going to be presenting uh, my theory and, and I will also be presenting his theory. And I'll be allowing the audience to chime in uh, on, on that as well for episode 11. And I believe episode 11 will complete season 17. Uh, and we'll be moving on uh, to season 18 after then and talking about cognitive mechanics. And believe me, if you thought season 17 was pretty meaty in terms of the content, season 18 will be probably the most mechanical and scientific as well as the most philosophical of every single season I've ever done. I maintain season 18 might be the meatiest uh, and probably my crowning achievement with my work um, out of every piece of content I've ever released. So please uh, be aware that, you know, it's necessary to kind of lay down this foundation in season 17 in preparation for season 18, because a lot of what we try to accomplish within season 19 for, you know, self-improvement and enlightenment and cognitive integration, et cetera, that we've been discussing so far, you can't really get there without understanding, you know, cognitive mechanics uh, and the mechanics of the brain and the mind and the soul, et cetera, uh, within the context of season 18. We're going to be bringing back some uh, uh, older concepts from season one, et cetera, into season 18 as well uh, to be able to handle that. But uh, more on that later. Uh, so uh, anyway, as you're all aware, uh, I did my open letter to the community uh, with the Wayfair lecture. I knew that uh, the Wayfair lecture would create a huge uproar because, you know, when it comes to FITE users, uh, it's just what happens because, you know, TE users are all like, you know, my reputation, my status, right? And because of that, sometimes they have a tendency of allowing their FI functions to, you know, have hurt feelings and then they get upset, and especially when they have an SE function in their top four, they have hurt feelings plus rage. So when you mix rage plus hurt feelings, it can be a serious problem. So uh, I knew that uh, the, that Wayfair lecture, the way it was presented and delivered because everyone's like saying, oh, CSJ, you just ranted. You didn't actually criticize anything. You're just ranting. And it's like, wow, nice crutch. 
nice excuse to just, you know, not face the fact that you have things potentially wrong with you that you could be fixing uh, just because and using, oh, CSJ is ranting as an excuse not to listen. That's, that's really appropriate. Very mature, Wayfarers. How dare you prove CSJ correct with your response? You see what I'm saying? So like, it's kind of, it's kind of a problem if you think about it. But I, I released my open letter to the community to basically show, you know, as much as you claim that I'm biased, guess what? Everybody is biased. Um, I'd also like to state, you know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of people see the open letter to the community as me apologizing, like apologizing to the community. And I would like to state that I did not apologize for anything in my open letter at all. I, I didn't apologize for anything. Actually, I completely 100% stand by everything I said in the Wayfarer lecture and how I delivered it. Because if you think about it, you know, especially when we're talking about philosopher types, the philosopher types themselves oftentimes accuse me of being biased. And the SFP and NTJ quadra do not often accuse me of bias. But it wasn't until having a negative lecture like this that they start bothering to, uh, you know, claim that I have negative bias. But to which I get to respond with, guess what? You're biased too. Everybody is biased. Everybody is a hypocrite. Even a hypocrite, even a biased person can tell the truth. And that's my job. My job is to tell the truth. My job is to not tell you what you want to hear. And it is going to be no different than the Delta Quadra. The Delta Quadra, this is going to be a painful lecture, uh, albeit it will likely be more painful than the Wayfarer lecture. And, uh, and guys, just understand that I had to deliver the Wayfarer lecture in the way that I had to. I couldn't have done it any other way. I had to hit them with the full force of the icy sword of truth and, and literally cut them down because if there was ever going to be any chance for them to change, they have to understand exactly how they look to outsiders because that's the point of these quadra lectures, demonstrating to each of you how you look to external people. They all have to understand that, you know. So it's like, well, you know, you're unfair to Crusaders. You know, like, yeah, but Crusaders is Effie users. Yeah, they could be vindictive and take revenge and whatnot, but they're like not into things like slavery and they're not really as much into things like human trafficking. You know, that's kind of more of an FITE realm. You see what I'm saying? <gasps> I can't believe you said that, Mr. C.S. Joseph. How do you know that? How can you make such a claim? Well, guess what? <laughs> We're going to be discussing that in this lecture now. So hold your horses, folks. Just understand, like, uh, what I'm doing here, I am fulfilling probably my number one purpose here as an ENTP within my life. And I would like to, uh, I would like to bring up a concept uh, by Orson Scott Card you know, the author of Ender's Game. Uh, Ender's Game is a fantastic book. I maintain Ender Wigan is actually an ENTP. Everyone thinks he's an INTJ. I, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. Uh, because the way his expert intuition works, the, the SE demon is there causing permanent uh, damage to the opponent. I see sort of truth so that the opponent could never even have an opportunity to respond. It just sounds like a roguish death blow to me. Kind of like ambush with the rogue class in World of Warcraft. You know what I'm saying? It's an instant kill. Uh, lying in wait, waiting for your enemy when they're most weakness, and then jumping out of nowhere and striking them with everything you've got, and then they're dead, and then you've moved on, and they're never a threat to you ever again. The Ender Wigan way, the ENTP way, right? 
But then there's another book. There's another book, uh, the, the sequel to that book. And there's four books in that series, the, Ender, uh, the Ender's Game series. So there's Ender's Game, there's Speaker for the Dead, Xenocide, and Children of the Mind. And I maintain the most important book of those four is the Speaker for the Dead. And that's basically what I am doing. I am speaking for the dead because y'all out there don't have the cojones to do it. You know how I know that? You know, I've been to a lot of uh, memorial services in my time. I've been to a lot of funerals in my time. I actually buried my former INFJ best friend after he decided to, you know, get drunk one night and take a lot of pills and kill himself after screwing a hooker in a hotel room. And then we found him dead the following day. And I had the honor of burying him myself. I literally carried his corpse to his grave and, and helped put him in his grave. And he's buried in Everett, Washington. A uh, very sad story. I miss my friend. Good man. Um, you know. But the problem is, is that when you look at funerals and memorial services, uh, you start to realize that people are more open to telling lies than telling the truth. Because for some reason, affiliative folk out there, you know, people who are like wanting to do the right thing, you know, are not really willing to tell the entire truth. They just want to, we want to honor his memory by focusing on just the good things. Wow, that's effective. Do you know why that's absolutely, utterly worthless and wrong? It's actually wrong. That is immoral. It is immoral to not tell the truth. You know what, if I, if I go to a funeral and memorial service, I want to hear about how this person beat his wife. I want to hear about how he was a drunkard. I want to hear about how he murdered somebody. I want to believe how she was a sellout. I want to hear all the good and the bad simultaneously. I want to hear it all. I want the full story. Because if we don't have the full story, what do we have? We have revisionist history, you know, where history is written by the victors, right? The, the Delta Quadra way, the philosopher way, you know, revisionist history. That's what it's all about, right? Yet they're supposed to be the, you know, the guardians of peace and justice. I mean, the guardians of, of history and philosophy, right? The philosophers. But, you know, when it suits their needs, we're just going to rewrite history a little bit, just like the philosopher types have injected into this collective unconscious of man, of the affiliative, has somehow trained all of mankind that when they do memorial and funeral services, at least within the context of Western society, that all of a sudden we have everyone decide to only focus on the good things and not the bad things. And then as a result, our race continues to stay ignorant AF the point where we are not even learning from our mistakes anymore. Am I coming off like William Shatner right now? Anyway, the point is, do you guys not see what I'm saying here? Like, you really have to figure this out. Why can't we just be honest with ourselves? You know, if we were honest with ourselves at funerals and memorial services, maybe we'd be honest with ourselves enough so that when we take the MBTI test, we might actually get an accurate result. Oh, wait a minute. No, that will never happen. So what's the point? Ender Wigan, uh, one of my heroes, one of my fictional heroes, as Speaker of the Dead, his job is that when someone dies, he gets hired and he's basically like this mortician after he's 
committed xenocide and just kill off an entire race that human beings didn't understand and they just completely wiped them out and they tricked him into doing it but he did it and because of that you know he feels guilty he feels really guilty about what he did and he writes some books uh, most notably the book known as the hive queen which is basically ender's game the book that's his book the, the hive queen because he actually wrote his own book within the story and he's this mortician this this uh this funeral guy he he, he fly he uh, he flies around to various worlds and he basically puts on a memorial service for somebody when he's hired to do it but when he does it he actually investigates the entirety of their death the entirety of their life and their death and everything and he actually reveals and exposes the person for all to see so that mankind actually benefits from learning from their death you know people need to be exposed it's kind of interesting actually if you think about the concept of death and you know when it when it comes to the delta quadrant we'll get there eventually but when you think about the concept of death death is absolutely necessary but what's even more necessary than death having a complete record of all the rights and wrongs someone does i wonder what judgment day is going to look like you know how useful having a record imagine if because life is so painful because the only thing fair about life is the fact that life is unfair is that imagine being yourself in that position and you're shedding tears because every human being in this world sheds tears. Imagine if, metaphysically speaking, every tear that you shed is actually recorded, every single one, so that it's all, it's all recorded. It's in this vast library, some celestial library of some kind, right? Imagine some kind of vast celestial library where every single human being's tears have been recorded in history, every one for all time so that if any new races were to be created or come along perhaps mankind creating sentient ai hmm or perhaps you know maybe another race from another world hmm or maybe another race from another reality alternate timeline who knows it goes we're going super metaphysical here right now who knows but another race of people could actually review that historical record and utilize each fixed point in space time as actually tears that are shed and they could experience that person's pain for why they shed those tears. And it's this amazing library so that they can come to a point of understanding the human condition such that they do not repeat the mistakes in the future, such that they do not, you know, use the dark side of the force, right? Such that they don't, you know, delve into the human condition so they do not take on sin nature, right? according to various, you know, religious circles of which I have zero affiliation or care to be around. It's funny, I, a lot of people recently have been accusing me of like being some churchy preacher or whatever. I don't care about church. I don't care about religion. I don't care about these things. I maintain my own spiritual beliefs. I've only shared my spiritual beliefs with a few people and kind of outlined every now and then, you know, on like Q and A as to what it is exactly. But it's not, um, it's not like anything that is here on this planet. So like, stop judging me like some kind of like random wanton preacher trying to get you to like become a Christian or something because that's not my purpose. How about you make your own damn mind up and figure it out on your own, just like I had to, right? So the point is, you know. If our tears are recorded, 
think of all the lessons that could be learned. How valuable would that be for that other race? But how valuable would it be for our own race if all the good and bad was actually talked about in memorial and funeral services? And would it not be the duty, you know, the duty of the philosopher types, the Delta Quadra, those STJs and those NFPs out there to actually go about uh, handling that? Would it not be their duty? Because last I checked, it's up to the STJs and the NFPs to be, you know, reading and studying and building the ultimate library of Alexandria, especially the ENFPs and the ISTJs, because they actually hold the library of Alexandria within their souls. One is the starter of the library, the other is the finisher of the library. And if they're holding all of that knowledge, why are they not helping us learn from the lessons of our past? Don't forget, folks, that the final people who fought in World War II are dying. Do you know what that means? That means our race, because that generation is being died off, so also the lessons of that war are dying with them. Should not our philosophers and our historians, AKA the Delta Quadra, be keeping track of that and warning us, you know, like the oracles they should be, warning us of a dire future of an additional world war, perhaps? Because, you know, hasn't our race learned our lesson yet? You know, that's nice. Except for when, you know, those same oracles or those philosophers, those historians, the Delta Quadra decide to utilize revisionist history to fit their own agenda at the sacrifice of all human beings around them because it benefits them personally, not everybody else. Except for like, you know, when that happens, right? Because they're so revisionist with the perception that they give off to other people that why can't they just be revisionist with history? Oh, you know, and what you're saying is not normal. Okay, that's just a conspiracy theory. Oh, we're going to get into conspiracy theory a little bit pretty soon. Trust me. Just wait until I start talking about Operation Brownstone. Hmm. That'll be fun. So the point is, like, can, can we really get to a point where, you know, we start to understand that we have to be willing to learn from our lesson, you know, from these lessons, you know, stop trying to change the narrative. I understand how Delta Quadra is like, in the absence of communication or, or explanation, perceptions become reality. And they realize that they can just change perception at any time they want to get people to think about things differently, right? It's all about what people are perceiving. It's all about whatever perception I can give off, you know, and whatever perception I can give off, that can really benefit me. You know, that could really benefit me. I'm, I'm down for that, right? It's my philosophy, right? Because it's funny, an ENFP taught me that philosophy in the absence of communication or explanation, perceptions become reality. He taught me this philosophy just before he betrayed me. Oh, and he did, he did betray me. He sold me out to so many people. <laughs> Too bad for him. I knew he was going to sell me out. And in front of 20,000 people, I shamed his reputation so bad that no one wanted to work with him again. And for over a year, he was hounded over his public moral failure that I exposed. I see sort of truth, justice is served. Kind of funny, I see sort of the truth is double-bladed, so it is written, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And that's why it's double-sided, because if I cut him down, I have to be cut in the same way.
is also why judge not or you too will be judged by the same measure. Don't forget folks, I'm under a huge, huge burden of responsibility because on one hand, it's like, if any man knows what right he ought to do, but does not do it, he sins. The ESTP James said that. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, let's look at the Spider-Man version. Those with, you know, great power, right? Uh, you know, comes great, they have great responsibility, right? So it's my responsibility to tell you the truth, regardless of the consequences. And don't forget, if I am making judgments, all those judgments have to apply to me. They always have to apply to me because it's a double-edged sword. It's just how this works, folks. Why is it those TE users with their beliefs, they get to be off the hook, you know? Well, it's because their judgments are a little bit different, right? It's, it's, it's different. It's not exactly, it's not, it's not TI. It's not logic. It's not deductive reasoning. It's inductive reasoning. Uh, grats to the person uh, within the community that pointed out that, that out recently. TI is deductive reasoning and TE is inductive reasoning. Uh, so thank you very much for pointing that out, sir. I regret that I don't know your name, uh, but uh, shout out to you, uh, Mr. Nameless, uh, for pointing that out. I believe it was in the uh, Facebook uh, public group uh, recently. Uh, that was fantastic. Um, so I am also going to make a note here because I forgot to add, uh, one other point in my outline here. So, but great. Anyway, so uh, that's basically our introduction for this lecture. Now let's get down into the meat and the potatoes, shall we? So um, what are the Delta Quadra? The Delta Quadra is the masters of the affiliative. They're the ones that, they're the ones that only try to live their life by doing the right thing but they're also the ones who get to define what the right thing to do is. Ooh, that puts the Delta Quadra in a serious position of power, probably more than all of the other types combined. If you want to know where power exists the most amongst all the 16 types, it rests with the Delta Quadra. They have the most power and they have the most authority because they're the ones who get to define what authority is. They're the ones who get to define what power is. They're the ones who get to define what doing the right thing is. And that moral standard, their moral standard, right, that they define. Is it really moral if they're the ones defining it? I got to ask that question. Hashtag Greek philosopher mode activate. You know what I'm saying? Because as my philosopher friend and his INFP subconscious said, good old Mr. Scott, the ESTJ, as he pointed out to me, and he would point out to anyone, the closer you try to define something, the less you understand its meaning. So great philosopher of him to say, gosh, I love ESTJs sometimes, that INFP subconscious, they really go all out. But that's the point, right? They are the masters of the affiliative. They understand what doing the right thing is better than anyone else. And, uh, you know, and, and because of that, that brings them some serious, serious power. Uh, isn't it no wonder that Barack Obama is a philosopher type or Joe Biden? Did you know that that guy is a philosopher type? How many times do we see STJs and NFPs involved in civic duty or perhaps pol pol political careers? Hmm? 
I wonder if that new Russian prime minister that was elected today is uh, is an STJ after Medvedev decided to uh, um, decided to uh, um, you know resign along with all of the other political team, Putin's political team, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, like the new Air America, Voice of America, is starting to claim that uh, that the communists are back in Russia all of a sudden, whatever. But the point is, it's like, you know, like these things happen, you know, when it comes to politics, you have to understand that the, the, the real politicians, statistically speaking, they're philosopher types because philosophers use that authoritarian setup. If you think about it, look at the political spectrum, right? You have the authoritarian left and right, and you have the libertarian left and right in your grid, you know, and I'm more of a centrist in the center. But the point is, is that you have these, but, you know, philosopher types, they're authoritarian. Show me a libertarian philosopher. There's not very many. I mean, although I could say that my ESTJ friend, Scott, who was talking about, you know, definition and how that works, that guy was a Randian objectivist. Amazing. I have not often seen an INFP-focused ESTJ admit to being a Randian objectivist. That's like super rare and super cool. He literally has a Who is John Galt uh, bumper sticker on the back of his, uh, of his SUV. Um, you know, what's funny about that is that like... <laughs> Um, uh, little does he know that John Galt is an ENTP. Little does he know. Anyway. So yeah, here's the four Delta Quadra types. You have the ESTJ adjudicator, kind of interesting how the adjudicator, you know, very judicious. They're like a judge. Huh, interesting political power. The ENFP bard, you know, utilizing song, music, and poetry to change the hearts of others in some way. Or the ISTJ archivist, always keeping track of all knowledge, keeping track of literally everything within their library of Alexandria. And the INFP mystic, who utilizes the great beyond and the metaphysical realm to, from which they derive their philosophy and value system and bring the unreal into the real for the rest of the world. They're all rational. They focus on beliefs and belief systems and value systems. It's not necessarily about truth although they try to find truth, but they are not a source of truth. They're consumers of truth. They are not sources of truth. And then they do this in a very dutiful manner, such that where they find themselves the guardians of all philosophy and all history, positive or negative. And sometimes they elect themselves the judge such that when revisionist history comes into play, they're the ones who get to make that decision. Gosh, the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Trent. Why don't I just like, I don't know, go light myself on fire all of a sudden because like that's literally the results of philosopher Delta Quadra. Ugh, gross. Um, just understand, you know, like these, this is these, how these types work. And they all do this from their, what they perceive as their own moral standard. And they utilize their authority to subject other human beings to their moral standard for better or for worse. It can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing too. We're going to talk about both, right? That moral standard, right? For good or worse, for good or bad, right? I wouldn't recommend these types get into a relationship though. That'd be kind of rough. They're all focused on their own comfort and they're all focused on their own morality. They're all focused on their own standards. They're all focused on what their mood. They're all focused on what makes them happy and their comfort, you know? Uh, and they're, they're, they compete they compete with each other for status. It's kind of like, you know, you have that, like what I said about women, what women do to other women typically. They, they see life as this big pie and they each get a slice of this pie and then the woman looks at the other one, well, why does she get that slice? You know what I'm saying? 
And, and it's often funny when you see the Delta Quadra actually behave similarly to that because they start comparing to each other, one another, and then they start cannibalizing each other's status for the sake of the other. Absolutely horrible. This is very similar as to what happened with uh, the Wayfarers. When you look at that film, The Star is Born, because that's two Wayfarers in a relationship between Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga's characters, such that they're competing with each for each other's status, and it becomes a serious problem, much to the detriment of the Bradley Cooper character, I like to add. You know, but, uh, you know, this is what happens, right? So be aware of that. Like, these are these dynamics are here. These people are not great to have a relationship with each other. These people are built to be in relationships with Templars because Templars, you know, like to use their fiery sword of truth to keep these philosophers in check, lest these philosophers become charlatans or these philosophers end up having them using their revisionist history methods uh, and changing the narrative to, uh, to, to benefit themselves. Whereas the Templars fiery sword of truth makes sure that the philosophers are actually being grateful because so much is given to philosophers, given their authority, given their position that they have, so much is rendered unto them, so much is given to them because of the power that they wield, that political, socio-political power that they wield typically, even amongst their own families. And so much is given to them, but the Templar type exists to make sure that these types remain grateful. And all the time they're holding on to that fiery sword of truth. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, oh, you're being ungrateful. Let me just open up my sword a little bit and be like, hey, you want to play a game? You know what I'm saying? Because then, you know, that Templar type is going to render on, onto them punishment. And that fiery sword of truth will actually build up within this philosopher, this corrupt philosopher at this point in time, to become a better philosopher. That's literally what happens. They become a better philosopher. Okay. So, uh, but it goes on from there uh, between these types and uh, it, 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 gets, it gets a little bit more deep. It gets deeper. So we already talked about history and philosophy um, and uh, we already talked about Joe Biden and Barack Obama, but there is one aspect of the Delta Quadra that I find very interesting and is that they're penchant for aristocracy. Because if you really want to know what an aristocrat is like, then have a friendship or a relationship with an STJ or an NFP. They are so aristocratic. It is crazy because they are so focused on serving themselves first and foremost, and they love it when other people serve them, that they have a tendency of becoming ungrateful. But it's because of that self-servitude that they have consistently and then having other people serve them, they start to feel important. And this naturally gives off this air of aristocracy. And it is so annoying. This is why I love, I, I actually take, actually, I'll, I'll be honest, my SE Demon, my ESFP Superego takes great joy, great joy in publicly shaming a Delta Quadra type. I absolutely take huge joy in doing it because then all of a sudden people don't want to serve them anymore. Then all of a sudden the perks of their reputation and the perks of their status don't mean anything anymore because nobody wants them anymore. Because everyone gets to see, because I'm exposing, I'm exposing the philosopher in this way for their dirty philosophies. And that could be a serious problem. This is exactly what ESTPs do. In fact, this is exactly what uh, Mr. Uh, Taylor Briggs uh, with Flow State, et cetera, attempted to do with me in trying to claim that I'm some charlatan who doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, fine. I mean, if you, if you think that I'm a charlatan because I don't uh, cite my sources, 
that's that would be fair except i actually do cite my sources everyone knows my sources dr linda barons uh, uh stephen montgomery uh david kiersey even gross uh carl jung uh plato uh hippocrates uh pythagoras um you know the list the list goes on uh mark hunziker dr john Beebe, and so on and so forth dario nardi etc i got plenty of sources to back up what i'm saying okay it's just because i don't fit the exact standard narrative of everyone's definitions of cognitive functions does not necessarily mean like i'm wrong or are you trying to actually you know claim that i'm a charlatan in order to beat me down and get me to like go with everybody else do you is it, is it because you want me to start telling people that the world is flat like everyone else is trying to tell everyone? Or should I just stand up for what's true and just continue to walk my path that way? Because guess what, folks? The world is round. But I mean, hey, the aristocracy believes the world is flat, so it has to be true, right? Wait a minute. The aristocracy of the Delta Quadra. Because that's what the Delta Quadra is. It's an aristocracy. Make no mistake, folks. It's an aristocracy. And I will TI parents their aristocracy into oblivion if they start to use their power within their aristocracy for their own benefit instead of the benefit of those that serve them. Because I'm sorry, first opportunity I get to tar and feather them, aka publicly shame them, I will come for them and I will come for them when they least expect it and I will do it and I will take great pleasure in doing so. Don't worry. I've been publicly shamed so many times in my life what's another time gonna to happen to me? But when I publicly shame them, it'll be the worst experience they've ever had and my SE demon will see to it and I'll do it with great joy. So understand that this ends up becoming an issue, the aristocracy, the authoritarian point of view, because they look at themselves and they're like, hey, I'm trying to do the right thing and because I know what the right thing is, because I get to define for all of society, what the right thing to do is. And I get to make that choice for the rest of society. That means I could just randomly choose that everyone has to serve me because that's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do that people serve me. You think I'm full of crap when I say that? Then tell me about divine right, where kings think that God, they claim that God chose their, their royalty, right? The, the divine right. <laughs> yeah right no thank you that didn't happen but because it's a tradition created by the delta quadra mankind accepted that accepted that phony bs belief that god put kings into power per se right you know it's like and that's and that's not always true but then again people start telling me about how the apostle paul's like well, you know, you have to you have to serve authorities because God put people in positions of power and blah blah. And I'm like, no, no, that's not true because that kind of contradicts what Jesus said to Pontius Pilate. And I quote, "What power has been given to you comes from above. You know, I've been delivered into your hands, and the one who delivered me into your hands is guilty of greater sin." Okay, so if sin is present in there. How is that exactly true? You see what I'm saying? There's a contradiction there, Mr. Paul. This is why I don't consider what Paul says as biblical canon, more like words of wisdom, aka guidelines, but not the word of God. So yeah, those of you who maintain the Bible's the infallible holy word of God, you might want to look up biblical interpolation and realize like there's this reality out there that is not that, just so you know. You might want to look that up. So anyway, 
the point is, you know, that aristocracy, their authoritarian point of view, they're able to literally give themselves power because they, they make the rules, right? Because they're the lawmakers. They're the rule makers. That's what the Delta Quadra is all about. They make the rules. I get to watch my own ENFP Delta Quadra daughter make up phony random rules in order to control my, her INFJ brother. My Templar wife, she's an ESTP, watches my manipulative ENFP daughter do this to my INFJ son, and they're a golden pair, and my INFJ son's just like, huh? As if, you know, he has to follow her arbitrary rules. That's the thing. I love exposing Delta Quadra for how arbitrary they really are, because that's all they are. They're just arbitrary. It's subjective. Their rules that they create are just subjective and somehow they get written into human tradition where we start believing kings uh, have power by divine right. Or when we have other aristocrats or governors, you know, where they have the, the right of the first night so that, you know, when this young girl gets married to this young man, you know, the governor or the, or the Lord, the Lord of the land gets to sleep with her on her first night after the wedding ceremony. Wow. Thank you, Delta Quadra. Thank you. Thank you so much, Delta Quadra, for just weaving in that little law in there, weaving in that little rule in there, just so you know you can get it on with another man's wife. Good times. Yeah. I know, you know, um, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Hmm. I wonder why. So frustrating. And people think I have a problem with wafers. I haven't even gotten started, folks. I haven't even gotten started. So we talked about inductive reasoning versus deductive reasoning. So let's let's actually take a moment to compare philosopher types to wayfarers a little bit. See, what is the purpose of a wayfarer? The, per the, the wayfarer's purpose in life is to have the freedom to pursue treasure, to gain treasure, the freedom to pursue treasure and the freedom to choose with whom to share that treasure. Everyone likes treasure. And, you know, and uh, everyone's like, oh, Chase, you're bashing those wayfarers so hard. You know, you're hitting them so hard and, and, you're, and you're really going after them. I'm like, yeah, it's because they could be pretty selfish. Just like philosophers can be pretty selfish. All types could be pretty selfish. You talk to an FI user and they see FE users and TI users, TIFE users as pretentious, arrogant, right? Sloppy. Uh, sometimes contradictory, echo chambery. Hmm. I have I, every time a teaser has told me that like I live in an echo chamber. If I if I had like a nickel for that, I'd be a rich man. You know what I mean? Because they always claim that. Guess what? They're technically not half wrong. TE users exist to destroy echo chambers. TI users can get stuck in echo chambers. It's the ignorance of TI. But here's the ignorance of TE. It's called Occam's razor. Occam's razor is, in my opinion, a crutch and an excuse for ignorance because they can use Occam's razor. And what are the tenets of Occam's razor? Well, let's actually explain what Occam's razor is. Occam's razor is when, hey, you know, the most likely explanation for what is happening has to be the truth, right? Or the most nominal explanation, the, uh, the most widely accepted explanation for what is happening, that has to be the truth which actually is an excuse for ignorance because, you know, uh, I, uh, we just felt an earthquake. 
okay, well, the most, the most uh, likely explanation is just a regular earthquake, when in reality it was a volcano exploding nearby, and then they all die. See what I'm saying? That doesn't exactly go very far, does it? See, Occam's razor is just choosing the most likely or the most uh, readily acceptable uh, uh, you know, explanation and then living your life based on that instead of actually taking the time to verify. Occam's razor, it doesn't verify. It's just why it's like a little tiny razor. It's not like a big ass sword, fiery sword of truth or uh, you know, that icy sword of truth to cut through all the crap. See, that razor ain't gonna do very much, now is it, right? The razor keeps them in ignorance. The razor also keeps other people in ignorance. The razor is with which, that which Delta Quadra decides to cut and design their little narratives and spin their little webs, right? Spin their little narratives, spin their little perceptions, spin their little rules, you know? Gosh, when my ESTP mentor said to his ESTJ wife, you make the rules, you made your bed, you have to sleep in it now because you made the rules. Oh, you made the rules and I followed your rules, but now you don't wanna follow your own rules anymore, huh? Yeah, I actually watched that. That was a very scary day. Watched my ESTP mentor go after his ESTJ wife now. He was so pissed, justifiably so, because she manipulated him by like creating these arbitrary rules. And then when it came time for her to follow her own rules, all of a sudden they didn't apply to her. Wow, hypocrites, hypocrites. See, even Delta Quadra, like the Wayfarers, like the Templars, and like the Crusaders, we're all hypocrites. Everyone is a hypocrite. It's just, how are we a hypocrite? See, that's what's different, right? That's different, okay? So what's the difference? Wayfarers need to have the freedom to pursue treasure and the freedom with which to share it. That's, that's their purpose. What's the purpose of a philosopher? A philosopher uses their authority, their aristocracy. They use their knowledge because they're supposed to be the most studious of us all. You know, they're the most academically inclined of us all. They're the masters of the library. They're the masters of the university. They're the masters of places of learning right? I'm sure most headmasters out there, most deans of education out there are philosopher types. These philosophers, you know, but what do they use all that for? What do they use that for? Remember, extroverted thinking is about belief, right? It's about belief in finding and, and trying to find the truth, right? And being a consumer of truth, consumer of TI, consumer of logos, consumer of logic, right? It's rationale. And SI, introverted sensing, which is what they also have in common with each other, is faith, right? So crusader types are about, you know, where, when faith meets the truth, when faith meets the logic. But in this case, with philosophers, is when faith meets belief. What happens when faith and belief combine? What does the philosopher get? They get something known as the philosopher's stone. The philosopher's stone is basically the philosopher types, the Delta Quadras, I win button for life. They seek and consume the truth so they can actually use that, all that information, every piece of knowledge that they study, they store to create this, un, this I win button, to discover the secret, to create this life's I win button. You know, you ever see those Staples easy buttons? You just press it and it literally says to you, well, that was easy. That's exactly what they want, but for life, where it solves all their problems, right? 
and they want to use their, hey, I'm the one that makes the rules. I'm the one that makes the laws. I'm going to use my authoritarian power to define what the affiliative is. They define what the affiliative is. They get to choose, because for some reason, our race has allowed them to do this. They get to choose what is the right thing and what is the wrong thing. It's so weird. And they subjectively, arbitrarily do this. And for some reason, the rest of mankind goes along with it. Thank God for TI users. Thank God for Templar types to use their fiery sword of truth to cut through the bullshit. Thank God. Thank God ESTPs exist who are all about, you know, structural integrity. They're literally walking anti-charlatans. They're charlatan repellent. I also like to call them ENFP repellent. Let's be honest. But the point is, is that um, they can spot a charlatan a mile away. They absolutely can. Okay. And this is necessary because, you know, the charlatans of the Delta Quadra will just convince everyone else that they're wrong. You know, gosh, you know, it's kind of like watching Elizabeth Warren trying to convince everybody else that she's a Native American when she's not actually. Wow. I mean, thank you, philosopher, for changing the narrative again. Thank you for spinning your web again. Thank you for making the rules again. And she's running for president, really? Imagine what other kind of rules that she'd be making if we gave her that kind of power. But hey, I mean, it's not like the Wayfarer Trump is doing a good job. <laughs> and you people thought that Trump was an ESTP. Are you out of your mind? No. No, he's not. So anyway, he's not a Templar. Come on. Think about it. He's not a Templar. Wake up. Guy's a Wayfarer. It's obvious. So the Philosopher's Stone. So what is the Philosopher's Stone? If you have not watched Full Metal Alchemist, the anime, what are you doing with your life? That's actually like, it's actually great television. Yes, I get it's a Japanese animated cartoon, but it is excellent, great television. Because the uh, thing about anime that people don't realize, it is more adult than people give it credit for. Yeah, you can kind of get into shonen anime like Dragon Ball Z and Naruto, which kind of gets a little, you know, more towards like the younger kids. But then you have anime like uh, Full Metal Alchemist or Ergo Proxy or, you know, um, uh, Ghost in the Shell, which are like super mature related anime and talk about mature themes on a regular basis and actually delve down into the problems of humanity itself. And I think out of any form of popular culture out there, uh, this anime, Full Metal Alchemist, uh, describes the plight of uh, the Delta Quadra more easily. So let's actually talk about the story. There's two characters, and Edward Elric, who is an ISTJ, uh, and you have uh, his brother, um, Al, and uh, their mother died, and they try to use a, a magical system of power called alchemy to basically bring her back to the dead. When they actually attempt to do the spell to bring her back to the dead, because it's a form of magic, basically, that follows a law. You have to give up something in equivalent trade or equivalent exchange, something equivalent to gain something else. So you get a pile of matter of some kind, like nuts and bolts or whatever, and then you can use your spell, and then, then those nuts and bolts will just turn into like a working clock, and it fixes a clock. And it's done over a transmutation circle. However, in that society that they have within this anime, human transmutation is strictly forbidden. Because, and so what they try to do is they try to actually get the physical components of what makes up a human body 
and then uh, something that reminds their mother. And they're literally trying to bring their mother back from the dead because their father abandoned them. They don't even know where their father is. Uh, and uh, they're just little children basically playing with fire, making that Faustian deal, right, with the devil, right? And uh, little did they know that the value of a human life, there is no equivalent to the value of human life. And as a result, a little magic spell rebounds on them, and it costs uh, Edward, the main character, his arm and his leg. So he has to have a mechanical arm and his mechanical leg, and his brother Al, his entire body, such that he has to affix his brother's soul to a suit of armor. Such begins the story. And they're trying, to, and for the majority of the anime, they're trying to find the Philosopher's Stone because the Philosopher's Stone is that one eye win button that if you have, you can actually circumvent the law of equivalent trade so that they can get his brother's body back because he feels real bad that he took his brother's body in that process and he can get back his leg and his arm. That's basically the entire plot of the story of what they do in their journey to find the Philosopher's Stone. The thing is, is that, and yes, I get I'm going to spoil it, but get over it. Uh, when you go, I mean, it's been out for years, so like, who cares? But the point is, is that Edward Elric gets to a point where he finds out how Philosopher's Stones are created. And gosh, I love how this anime does it. But the answer is, there's one ingredient to a Philosopher's Stone, and it's fellow human beings. because how could you circumvent the law of equivalent trade if you're going to sacrifice something of great immeasurable value to gain something of potential immeasurable value? So really to create a philosopher's stone, a Delta Quadra philosopher type has to be willing to sacrifice heavily for it. The problem is, is what do they sacrifice, right? What do they sacrifice? Oftentimes, when it comes to Delta Quadra types, STJs and NFPs, we see it all the time with the used car salesman ENFPs, right? Just trying to make a deal, you know, just trying to make a deal, trying to nail you on the fine print, right? You see it from these people when they're being evil, when they're not being grateful, right? Which is a good version of an ENFP. A charitable ENFP is all about an ENFP who shows gratitude. Oh, wait, gratitude is how all Delta Deltas and showing gratitude consistently and having a reputation of being grateful, those are the ones who are more successful. Those are on the side of the good. But when you're looking on the side of the evil, instead of being grateful, <laughs> they be have, they, they're you know, just like the ENFP vice of depravity. They're depraved. And they're so depraved that they would sacrifice their fellow human beings for their own gain. That is the point of the Philosopher's Stone. Because a philosopher's stone can be constructed one of two ways. It can be constructed one of two ways. You can construct it by sacrificing your fellow man, or you construct it by sacrificing yourself. And that's what Edward Elric did at the end of the show. He actually realized that if he sacrificed his ability to perform alchemy, the magic itself, he could actually get his brother's body back. And he did. He gave something of immeasurable value up to gain something of immeasurable value. And he was able to actually pull it off because he exchanged and that, and then he was never able to perform it ever again, but at least his brother lived. See, that's the lesson. That's the lesson of the philosopher's stone. That is the lesson of the deltas, but all too often, especially immature deltas, they like, they love them some human sacrifice. 
We see it all the time because, hey, I'm an aristocrat and hey, I'm the one that makes the rules. I'm the one that gets to state the narrative. I'm the one that gets to dictate to all of humanity what the right thing to do is. How arrogant. But they feel themselves so important. I don't know how many times I've heard NFPs and I even heard this from the FI child of an ISTJ on two separate occasions where they literally told me that they were more important than other people. Wow. I even had ESTJs say that to me a few times, but at least they have FI inferior where they're kind of afraid that they're not good enough. So they don't do it as often. They do it the least. But then they're like, well, I was more important than everyone when I was younger because I used to be an Olympic athlete. And they're just, they're justifying it with this achievement of some kind. Wow. Okay. Apparently that, that means something. They often live in their past. And oftentimes you hear ESTJs talking about how they're living life backwards, you know, and it's like, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I had all my fun in my youth, but now not so much. Maybe that's because they're developing their INFP subconscious and trying to actually become a great philosopher to save the world to uh, realize that they need to be sacrificing themselves to create their own I win button. The point is the Delta Quadra types, they are obsessed with having that I win button for life. There is nothing else. They will have that I win button. They will gain their philosopher's stone. The question is people, is how will a Delta Quadra philosopher type actually acquire their philosopher's stone? Is it gonna be acquired through blood? Well, it is required for blood, but whose blood? Somebody else's or their own. The Philosopher's Stone requires a blood sacrifice, folks. But is it somebody else's or is it their own? This is literally the definition between the expedient and the meaningful. Someone else's blood or their own blood. They will create the Philosopher's Stone. That's how they live their life. They gotta have that I win button for life, you know? I one time, I said this recently in season in the season 19 episode, talking about how my ENFP mentor, his I win button, his I win button was being a drug dealer and moving drugs across the Canadian border. You know, he used to be known as Mr. Saturday Night. He ended up getting into a gunfight in Redmond, Washington in broad daylight, uh, you know, in an apartment complex. Some guy with a Tech 9, another guy with a 9 was trying to shoot him down and he had his own gun and whatnot. And they were literally shooting each other in, in, in broad daylight. He got picked up by the cops later and went to federal for it, but he named names and he got out. And then all of a sudden, his dad and his brother were kidnapped, taken into Canada, and held for ransom. Wow, what a life, you know? But his I win button was drugs. And that's how he was able to make his fortune. He had millions and millions of dollars set up in a, in a foreign bank account, ready to go just for him. Well, in order to get out of federal and naming names, he had to give that up. He's had to be straight arrow ever since. See what I'm saying? Yeah, that's my mentor. Taught me a lot about sales and marketing. Good man. I was on the phone with him the other day. I respect him because he realized that, hey, you know, maybe I should be grateful for the fact that I didn't go to federal. Hmm? Not for long, at least. Maybe I should be really grateful that I got off scot-free. Hmm? Maybe I should be really grateful that all the names that I had named, those people are already in jail. Yeah, maybe he should be grateful. Hmm? I think so. See, Delta Quadra, they got to have their own win button. They got to have their philosopher's stone, just like Edward Elwick wanted to have that philosopher's stone to kind of like cut corners and cheat through life, right? 
See, the thing is, is that there's the way to, to get it without cutting corners, and that's through your own blood sacrifice instead of someone else's. So the cost of philosophers don't ultimately is blood. But let's delve into the evil before we talk about the good when it comes to the Delta Quadra. So let's talk about philosopher types. You see, you guys wonder why I'm so hard on NFPs. Um, in some cases, I've seen ISTJs do it pretty hard too, and I've even seen ESTJs do it. My friend Scott actually sacrificed me one time for the sake of his reputation, literally throwing me under the bus just to save face and to save his own comfort because he didn't want to do a certain particular task because it was beneath him. And uh, because it was beneath him, he uh, threw me under the bus to the rest of my colleagues such that he convinced the rest of my colleagues when I was working for um, this hospital for me to do this instead. And then everyone knew that I was that guy to finish this task because that was beneath him. And for the rest of my working time there, an additional two years, I ended up doing that scut work that he didn't want to do because it was beneath him. You know, let's have the new guy do it. You know, that's kind of how STJs go. They get into this position of like, oh, I've been working at this company a long time because STJs, their aristocracy approach, you know, hey, I have to, you know, I, I'm rewarded for time served, not actually merit. It's funny, the merit, the, a meritocracy is the fastest way to destroy an aristocracy because an aristocracy lacks merit entirely. Well, all those ladies and lords lording themselves over you and they're like, you know, hey, because of divine right, we're important and we made that rule. We made it up anyway, but all society is structured by it. So you just get to be our serfs, serfdom, right? This is what happens when Delta Quadra rules the world, serfdom for everyone. Kind of how Elizabeth Warren makes me feel. I don't want to be her serf. She can get out. Kind of how... Uh, I'll admit, um, Bernie makes me feel, he's a philosopher type, kind of interesting how that works. They look so good, you know? It's also how Ron Paul made me feel because he's an INFP. He's also, a, you know, serfdom potentially, serfdom for the sake of libertarianism. See, it doesn't matter if you're libertarian or, or authoritarian, it doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, you'll serve their agenda one way or another because if you're not part of the old boys club, right? The aristocracy, then you have no value. You have no opinion. Only our opinion matters. It doesn't matter if you tell the truth. It's all about our opinion. Our opinion is law, not your truth. And then all of a sudden, Galileo is killed. Socrates is killed. You see what I'm saying, folks? Wow. Pontius Pilate, washing his hands. Yeah, that's effective. So to create the Philosopher's Stone, let's talk about how Delta Quadra sacrifices their fellow human beings for their own Philosopher's Stone, for their own self-aggrandizement, for their own reputation, for their own position. Kind of like how an ENFP told me recently that, yeah, man, I went to the gym and I got really buff and then I found like these uh, supplements and I decided to sell them claiming that they're the ones, they're the things that got me buff. I made a lot of money out of it, even though it wasn't even remotely true. I'm like, wow, dude. Thank you for like putting your fellow human beings at risk for the sake of your own self-aggrandizement. How about like you actually like be grateful for what you have and actually seek to help your fellow human beings instead of being a selfish git. That would be nice. Oh, but no, we can't do that. No, no, we can't. You know, so let's go back to Occam's razor. So Occam's razor can be used as a weapon for evil because one can use reductionism and nominalism 
a crutch of the ignorant to basically reduce the truth and nominalize the truth. You talk about uh, demagoguery, you talk about uh, demonization in those situations, and it's like, hey, I'm literally Mr. Walking ad hominem attack with my logical fallacy, and I'm just gonna label things I don't understand and then condemn them and get other people to condemn them and use my very powerful voice because philosopher types, whether even if they're TE inferior, they have the most valuable opinion of all the types. Therefore, they have the most powerful voice of all the types. No wonder they're so authoritarian. No wonder they're so aristocratic. No wonder they're the ones that make the rules, right? No wonder they're the ones that speak laws into existence. And, and they even know how arbitrary they are. We still have to follow those laws. Wow. And no, I'm not, I am not advocating for anarchy here. I'm just asking that the structural integrity of those rules and laws be tested. Thank God for ESTPs, because that's literally all they do 100% of the time. Because STPs understand that laws and rules are arbitrary. So they break them to see if anything will actually will happen to them. Oh, nothing's going to happen. So oftentimes you hear my wife being like, you know, yeah, that person's not going to do anything. You know, you can, you can say whatever you want, Chase, because that person's not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything about it. So because they're not going to do anything. So why do you care? Why, why are you trying to be all affiliative about this? Why are you trying to do the right thing? Oh, because, you know, some philosopher types created this tradition that my mom follows, and then she taught me that tradition, and then I believe that tradition is doing the right thing, when in reality, it's not. See what I'm saying? It's so annoying. Occam's razor. It's the crutch of the ignorant. It is, it is the TE version of being ignorant because, hey, we're just going to go with the most likely explanation in order to, you know, have like this thing where we're talking about, you know, this is, we're going to go with the most likely explanation to explain why this happened. We're going to believe that's true until like we have actual proof in front of us that says otherwise, but it's like, you know, you can't even prove the existence of gravity. So, I mean, but is it there? You see what I'm saying? Like Occam's razor is way too weak to utilize and Occam's razor is a sign of ignorance. You just can't do it. Reductionism will only get you so far. Nominalism will only get you so far because if it's nominal, if it's like the norm, you know, if it's not the norm, well, it can't be true. Okay. Well, then where, where does original thought exist? This is why Occam's razor has the whole excuse that Delta types use. Oh, hey, you better cite your sources because if you don't have any authority with which you're citing your source, well, then I don't have to believe you or you're just being biased. So they're just going to keep using that ad hominem attack over and over and over again. And thank you to whoever in the audience literally said to me recently, as a result of the recent drama on the Facebook community, um, uh, who literally said, hey, by the way, credibility is ad hominem. Ad hominem is a logical fallacy. Ad hominem, for those of you who don't know, is when you're in an argument with somebody, you start losing that argument, you just start calling them names. That's basically what ad hominem is credibility is ad hominem credibility means nothing you can give me all the credible people in the world but a credible person does not mean that they know what they're talking about you could have all the credentials in the world you could have all the credibility in the world but not have any skills how many times have we heard businesses complaining about college graduates with bachelor's degrees not knowing anything when they get on the job it happens all the time and yet it's funny, it's the Delta Quadra that is the overseers of academia. And yet their students don't actually know anything when it comes to practical application in business. Gosh, I'd rather be taught by an STP. I'd be way better off. I'd rather be taught by an NFJ. I'd rather be off. I'd rather be taught by Templars. Templars are the ones who should be teaching, not Deltas. Let's be honest. Deltas should be learning from the Templars. 
but all you Templars out there just get to this point where like, well, I'm not good enough to teach, you know? And I'm like, okay, thank you for further spreading the Dunning-Kruger effect where the dumb people think they're smart and the smart people think they're dumb. The smart people that think they're dumb are the Templars and the dumb people who think they're smart are the philosophers. Think about that. I'm being really general when I say that. I'm not saying all philosophers are dumb, guys. Seriously, don't go there. Like, wow. Like, grow up. If your mind just went there right now, grow up. Like, come on. Stop, like, giving into your feelings and actually be objective, not subjective about what I'm saying for once. Thank you. So, anyway, Occam's Razor. They use it as a weapon for evil because they use Occam's Razor as this excuse to keep their heads in the sand. And because they keep their heads in the sand, because they're going with what's comfortable, because they're going with what's nominal, they're going with what's normal, or they're going with the most likely ex of explanations, uh, then they, they use that as an excuse to not change. Great. You know what? This is actually talked about in the Bible. Second Timothy uh, chapter four, and I quote, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine or logic, but after their own lusts, after their own agendas, uh, they shall heap that to themselves teachers having itching ears, you know, only trying to hear what they want to hear. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's why. I'm sorry, but Delta Quadra types out there usually much rather would hear lies instead of the truth because lies make them comfortable by and large because Delta Quadra are the most resistant to change of all the types. They are the most resistant to change. Don't talk to me about ENFPs who are all about change agents. Of course they are. Tony Robbins, and a fantastic philosopher, fantastic ENFP, but even he was stuck in his comfort zone in his youth. It wasn't until he started learning neuro-linguistic programming and understanding that NLP was literally what his life was going to be, and at that moment he got his I win button, his philosopher's stone, and then he realized that instead of sacrificing his fellow human beings, he could actually start helping uh, fellow human beings and sacrificing his own blood and sweat and tears for his success. And then as a result of that, he built his own philosopher's stone, neuro-linguistic programming, to the point where he teaches multitudes and improves their lives every single day. And he does it charitably because he's grateful for his philosopher's stone, guys. That's the difference. That's what an ENFP could be. But instead, y'all are complaining about C.S. Joseph telling you how selfish you are. Well, if the majority of you would stop behaving that way, I might say something different. Stop trying to sacrifice your fellow human beings. How about actually listening to the truth instead of preferring lies over the truth? Maybe I wouldn't have to be so insincere you know, because then I wouldn't be afraid to tell the truth, afraid of coming under your authoritarian consequences for telling the truth. You know, just like Jesus had to when he was crucified, just like Socrates had to when he had to drink the hemlock juice, just like Galileo was persecuted when he was trying to tell everyone the world was, was, was round. Think about that. See, Deltas, that's your legacy. Quote, may his blood be on us and our children. Huh. Think about that. There's this huge affiliative authoritarian bias amongst the aristocrats. They end up believing that they're better than everyone else. 
my daughter, I literally heard my ENFP daughter, and she's only five years old, literally say that she was better than other girls at school. And I'm like, whoa, the ego, are you kidding me? No, you're not better than them. But she believes it, and because she believes it, it's coming in the truth, right? Because that's what the Philosopher's Stone is all about, guys. You know, if I could believe it happened, it will happen. Wait a minute, that's what the law of attraction is, isn't it, right? The law of attraction itself is literally the Philosopher's Stone. No wonder people like Tony Robbins teach it. And yet it's also an occultic teaching. Interesting how that works. The law of attraction, it's a true thing. And in some cases, it's actually, a, it's actually a biblical. And people do say, you know, uh, you are what you gaze upon, right? That's the law of attraction. It is the Philosopher's Stone. That's what it is. The difference is, is what are you going to use to pay the price, to pay the penalty to gain the stone? Your blood or somebody else's? You choose. It goes, it goes even further. Um, anyway, when you're sacrificing fellow human beings as a philosopher type, you know what you're really doing? You're actually playing God. Delta Quadra really likes to play God more than all the other types. They really, really do. And I find that so interesting how they accuse people like they have overactive TI child, you know, within IFJs, right? Or they accuse TI parents or even TI heroes of playing God sometimes. But no, no, not really. In comparison, it's Delta Quadra that likes to play God because in their little aristocracy where they, they elect themselves these monarchs, you know, of this, this noble blood, you know, the concept of noble blood, noble blood, dark ages, you know, noble, Game of Thrones, noble. It's arbitrary. It doesn't mean anything. That literally means that the Queen of England, her blood is no different than anybody else's. And we all know this fundamentally is true. We all know it's self-evident, but for some reason, it's tradition, and we accept the existence of this monarch, and she, for some reason, is important. But she's not actually important. But because of divine right, right? Because the philosophers have made the rules, you know, these subjective rules. Now watch my daughter make these rules in order to control her brother, and he goes along with it because he's golden pear, and it's so funny. Gosh, when his TI child wakes up and he starts verifying her, <laughs> I'm going to literally sit down and I'm literally Michael Jackson having popcorn. You know what I'm saying? Actually, maybe more of a George Costanza eating popcorn. So I'm going to watch my son roast his sister. And I'm just going to be inside of myself going, boy. Gosh, I can't wait for the day where he starts watching these videos one day. Imagine the force he will be, a force to be reckoned with. Imagine that T.I. child unleashed upon the world. Imagine what will happen. I can't wait. Son, when you read or when you watch this one day, just know that I love you so much and I look forward to the great, amazing things you will accomplish. Just don't let it go to your head and don't be arrogant and don't be a hypocrite like the rest of us. How about like you understand that, you know, you need to be standing up for the truth and not going about how you feel. Tell the truth regardless of the consequences. That's what Jesus did. And he was an INFJ like you. So yeah, 
Delta Quadrant, they start playing God. And then all of a sudden we have monarchs on our hands. And then we have this aristocracy. You know, guess who the most entitled of all the types are? Delta Quadra, the most entitled of us all. Wayfarers, the most shallow of us all. Meet the philosophers, the most entitled of us all. Congratulations, two peas in a pod, right? And then we have Templars, the most self-righteous of us all. Wow, hashtag arrogance, you know. And then the Crusaders, you know, the most judgmental of us all. Wow. And then they justify it with their sense of justice. Oh, yeah, that's effective. Everyone's got hang-ups, folks. Everyone has failures, folks. That's just how this works. Aristocrats, entitlement. These people get so entitled, they start to believe their own spittle. They start to believe their own lies. They start to really actually believe that they're more valuable and better than human beings. I listened to an ENFP tell me about how she has such a great personality and that's why everyone has to give her free stuff. I'm not even kidding. I, I literally listened to an ISTJ tell me, now the only one I, person I trust is I trust myself. And I'm like, wow, dude. Uh, enjoy your stay in the dumpster or maybe in the ditch because that's where you're going to go if you keep thinking like that. You know, it's funny that ISTJ actually who told me that recently had uh, uh, his tonsils removed and I almost wanted to tell him, you know, still trusting in yourself, you know, as you're going into surgery. I mean, clearly your philosopher's stone is working out for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. <laughs> it's because of that sense of entitlement that Delta Quadra has, they end up giving into all sorts of things, human sacrifice, human sacrifice. And quite frankly, we can owe most of the human sacrifice on this planet and all of our history as a race to Delta Quadra. Yes, that's right, Delta Quadra. I am laying this before your feet. Everyone may get all upset about me saying that the, uh, the you know, the Wayfarers are all about, you know, trying to get their treasure and being gold diggers and selfish with their treasure. Oh, yeah. You know, and then they just steal treasure instead of earning treasure, right? Well, how about you earn your philosopher's stone instead of stealing your philosopher's stone by sacrificing other human blood instead of your own? Well, this is how it happens. Slavery comes from Delta Quadra. Let's talk about forms of slavery, right? Strip clubs, where you're literally buying a human being. I've been in one one time. It was a horrible experience. I'll never repeat it again. Being a cam whore. Hmm. Another form of slavery, right? You know, prostitution. Another form of slavery. You know, all those, uh, you know, uh, black leaders in Africa, you know, uh, I wonder if they were Delta Quadra when they're selling their own people to the white man for slavery before they were brought over to the new world. Huh? I wonder. I wonder about that, right? Slavery is a huge problem. Sex trafficking. You know, I wonder how many of the Delta Quadra uses sex trafficking as their I win button for life. Wow. That's, that's effective. Great. Pedophilia. You know, I recently came into contact uh, with a woman uh, who's married to an INFP. And uh, that INFP, he literally, he literally whored out his own wife. Uh, he, he even raped her and filmed it. He was filming and taking pictures of, of young girls as well. 
or 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 my my former uncle uh he was convicted of possession of child pornography he was a delta quadra type right uh the concept of utilizing of blackmail see delta quadra of all of the quadras are most susceptible to blackmail infps the most ron paul he's an infp and they used uh, uh gm general motors according to john ronson in the book so you have been publicly shamed which is what every book a book everyone should read you know that book so you've been publicly shamed they talk about how um it's not ron paul but uh um ralph nader another philosopher type uh, a Delta Quadra, uh, took, took uh, General Motors to court. And General Motors in secret hired prostitutes to have sex with Ralph Nader to get information on him, and then took photos of that, and then used that to blackmail Ralph Nader so that he wouldn't move forward with his case, which changed all of the safety standards of cars so that you and I could have better safety. And he was a philosopher type, but he did it in the good, right? Because, like, he took full responsibility for his actions with those women and still got the court case through and nailed General Motors to the wall. So like, okay, interesting. That's where the affiliative is not about them. It's about everybody. Hmm. Hmm. More about that later. Right. See, Ralph Nader was willing to sacrifice his own reputation for the sake of the good. We'll talk about that soon. But blackmail, see, the people who are weakest against blackmail sure know how to use blackmail, too. Then you get into things like Operation Brownstone. You ever hear about Operation Brownstone? You know, this whole thing where we get all these politicians, and then we introduce young girls or boys to these politicians, and these politicians end up having sex with these young girls and young boys, and we take photos of it, and they don't even know. And then all of a sudden, we can arrange for those young girls and boys to be, you know, dead. And then all of a sudden, we have proof to make it look like that the politician did it. And then we have them forever blackmailed. And they will do exactly as they tell us when they are, as we tell them to when they're in power. This is known as Operation Brownstone, a major conspiracy theory. It doesn't matter if it's real or not, actually. Because the concept of using sex trafficking and young children, the concept to generate an orgy of evidence, and I'm quoting uh, Colin Farrell, uh, as Danny Whitwer in Minority Report when I say that, to create an orgy of evidence in order to blackmail a politician to do whatever it is you want them to do, that's very plausible. And it's Delta Quadra using human sacrifice, other people's blood, to create their Philosopher's Stone, using that blackmail as a form of an I win button to further their own agenda sick i can't believe that exists within our race and even the fact that if, if if it is absolutely true that that doesn't exist great but shouldn't we be taking steps to make sure that never happens back to that infp that i was dealing with recently raping his own wife taking photos of it you know, uh, taking photos of other women, other children all the time. The guy is sick. You know, my, my former uncle, that guy is sick. People, uh, it's funny, even, even, even Paul Krugman recently tweeted how somebody hacked his computer and put child pornography on it. 
you know, I'm not saying that Paul Krugman's into child pornography, but it's pretty easy to hack someone's computer and plant it there to make them look bad and use that as blackmail too. It's super easy. Hell, we even had, I was even a victim of a honeypot social engineering attack by a Delta Quadra person. And INFP came at me recently. She did a forking maneuver. It was absolutely fantastic. Masterfully played honeypot. She got, uh, she got involved with this person who was in our community and uh, was, was sending him nudes and all these pictures. And then she potentially, uh, and I'm not saying this is what happened. I don't know, but it could have happened. And it could have happened where she actually, in the middle of the conversation, fully aware that he was potentially drunk the entire time and put in a photo of her own daughter to make it look like he was, you know, uh, you know, a pedophile basically. And then coming to me with this and telling me, Hey, you know, there's this thing and there's this guy out there, you know, and it's like, okay, if I don't do something about it, then I look like I'm supporting pedophilia. So it's like what you do on a chessboard where you take a knight and you're putting the other King in check and you're putting a, a rook also in danger and the king has to move out of the way so the knight takes the rook i was the king and the other guy was the rook and we all know what happened after that that's of course assuming you know he was actually innocent in that particular situation of which i can offer no judgment because all i have are the photos and the photos to me are kind of like whoa yeah so i'm forced to take action and protect my community from that kind of behavior that's why I booted him out. But at the same time, she also performed a honeypot social engineering attack. This is a problem, but it's a form of blackmail and it works. It's kind of interesting watching TE users use blackmail against other TE users. It happens all the time. It's a form of human sacrifice. Her philosopher's stone, her I win button, blackmail. And she's been removed. It's like, and then afterwards she gloated about it. She sent me this gif about, you know, or this YouTube video about how to, you know, basically uh, create a sling. And she's basically informally saying, see, this is how you take down Goliath, right? And she just sacrificed somebody else's, you know, humanity for the sake of her own agenda to try to earn brownie points with me. And then like all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, uh, make sexual passes at me as if to do the same thing to try to put herself in a position of power over everybody else. Wow, that's really sick, folks. That's sick. It's also sick when you're a person on the receiving end of that and you become so irresponsible that you end up behaving that way in a lewd manner in public. Wow, how irresponsible can you get at writ that, such that people end up leaving, people end up believing that you're a pedophile as a result. How could you be so irresponsible? And then all of a sudden I had so many people in my face coming at me like, you know, he would never do that to, uh, to protect his own son. You know, he would never do anything like that. And I'm like, to which I responded with, then why was he so blackout drunk? Guys, we have to take responsibility for our own actions. Everyone has to be held accountable, everybody, including and most especially me. Human sacrifice, folks. Here's another example, another anime example from the anime Psychopaths. You, you see in like the first three episodes um, in Psychopaths, you have this, uh, this thing in your brain. It measures your personality in real time and an AI system determines whether or not you're a good person or a bad person. And if it goes bad, cops are dispatched. 
And depending on how level of bad, you're instantly killed by the cops. And it's your psychopaths. You know, it's like your, like your driver's license or your license to think. And they have this thought beliefs and it measures your soul at all times to determine if you're a good person or a bad person. And this guy, his psychopath goes bad because he hates his life. He got super depressed. He finds some random girl that he had a, a, a crush on and then he rapes her. And he keeps raping her and then he plans on killing her and himself and to go out in this one blaze of gory, going out in this one blaze of gory. And then all of a sudden, you know, the affiliative, the authoritarian authorities show up and guess what? You know, because his psychopath is bad, they're authorized to kill the guy. So they do. But then because the, the situation is so horrifying to that woman, her psychopath goes bad too. And they're forced to kill her too, even though she was innocent. Justice is blind in the Delta Quadra's lawful society, folks. And these are the people who make the rules. Why? It's just arbitrary. It's why justice is blind. When are we as a race going to rise above this? It's wrong. We have to understand that it is our responsibility to not sacrifice our fellow human beings for personal gain. We see it all the time. How many strip clubs out there are ran by Delta Quadra? How many pimps on the street are Deltas? There's a lot of them. I actually, came, I almost came into contact with one very recently because I found one of my Wayfair friends was selling me out to uh, and putting me in a position uh, to be somehow uh, linked to this um, to this uh, Delta Quadra convicted pimp who rumor has it he was actually still pimping people out in uh, in Vegas to this day, and I was even put at risk. Thank God my wife Railgun saw saw through it and she shut that down super quick and I was oblivious to it. You know, I may be really good at social engineering, but even I could be social engineered just like everybody else can. That's why understanding social engineering is so important. Here's the thing, folks. If you're trying, as a philosopher type, you're trying to create your philosopher stone, trying to get your eye wing button. If you're using the blood of fellow human beings, if you're trying to sacrifice your fellow human beings, don't forget that new levels bring new devils, which means every time you keep trying to get your eye wing button and build your philosopher stone and make it better and more effective for you, you will end up sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into the pit. And of course, you're all like, well, you know, that's not what I intended, as if you get to have all your little responsibility absolved in the process. That's not what I intended. But guess what, folks? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I'm here to tell you, Delta Quadra, your actions, <laughs> you are not judged by your intentions. Your intentions are irrelevant. You will be judged by your actions. You will be brought to account. I promise you, just as much as I will be and everybody else will, but you will be held responsible for the atrocities that you have committed, just like everybody else will. Just like all those wayfarers who steal treasure, just like all of those Templars who are self-righteous hypocrites, just like all of those crusaders who are judgmental and mete out judgment on, upon the innocent. Wow. I'm sure there's definitely a new level of hell for each and every one of us. All of us will be held to account. Deltas are no different. Stop sacrificing your fellow human beings for your own personal gain. Something 
all deltas need to understand that. It's like, it's kind of like watching that ESTJ, you know, eliminate competition for their spot to, to compete on the Olympic national team. I've seen it. I've actually had a few ESTJs admit to me that they've done it. Or, or, or any position on a, on a, on a competitive team. It, it can happen, you know, or watching uh, ISTJs uh, manipulate situations so that they're the ones that get first in line for the newest book in the library. Uh, it, it sounds simple, but I'm using a simple example, but that it could go even more, it could even more than that because the ISTJ is manipulating things to make sure that they're the ones who are showing. They like, uh, they're the ones that chosen, you know, where the ISTJ is the one running the casino. They're the house, right? And the house always wins. They always have that deck stacked in their favor. That's just how they roll. It's no different than a bank, right? It's no different than a bank. ISTJs run the bank. You ever want to know where the Federal Reserve comes from? You want to know where central banking comes from? It comes from Delta Quadra, folks. That's where it comes from. You want to know where usury comes from? You want to know where high interest rates and loans come from? It comes from Delta Quadra, okay? Human sacrifice for their philosopher's stone. Because as much as the wayfarers pursue and seek treasure, the philosophers create it with their philosopher's stone, right? They create their treasure. It is said that the philosopher's stone, you can obtain two things. You can turn any substance into gold with it, and you can also create an elixir that gives you eternal life. That's the legend of the philosopher's stone. And innately within Delta Quadra, they exist to create a philosopher's stone. That's just what they do. Their I win button for life. It's just, do they sacrifice their fellow human beings or do they sacrifice their self to obtain it? So I just wanted to show you guys where, just how bad it can actually get when it comes to Delta Quadra in their life of blackmail and uh, sex trafficking, um, you know, usury, central baking systems, uh, you know, their fine print, right? They all do this you know, exorbitantly high legal costs, right? You know, uh, the fact that you have to pay 50% of what you own when you die to the government because the only thing sure in life is death and taxes. Thank you, Delta Quadra. That's on you. Or the right of the first night, you know, where the Lord sleeps with the new bride. Her, her, first, her first time getting bedded is bedded by the Lord, not her husband. Wow. Thank you, Delta Quadra. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for serfdom. Thank you. That's just how the evil goes. Let's talk about some of the, the good things that they can do. When the Delta Quadra has realized that there is sacrifice of self instead. When the Delta Quadra types become so devoted to study, they become devoted uh, to putting in so much time and earning things on their own and earning their own achievements, their TE achievements, instead of sacrificing their fellow human beings for those positions where they actually go out of the way to earn them. And they're focused on merit, not time served. That's the difference. Where they realize that merit and sacrifice of self, sacrifice of one's own blood, sweat and tears, one's own effort is how they create their philosophers on those are the deltas I want to be behind. Those are the deltas that get rid of blackmail. Those are the deltas that put in laws in place to prevent sex trafficking. 
that put programs in place to help people because they are grateful. Perhaps they were trafficked at one point in time. Hmm? Have you thought of that? Then Occam's razor becomes a weapon for good, not a weapon for evil. Where it's like, hey, the most likely explanation for uh, us doing this is this, you know, where someday we can have a world where, you know, feminism is actually all about equality. If feminism really is about equality, why isn't feminism named equality? I'm quoting my wife when I said that. She's awesome. You know, I mean, it, it, it's the same thing. Like everything is so stacked against people and it's because it's the Delta Quadra that's stacking the deck. They're stacking the deck. Can't let them stock, stack the deck. So at the end of Full Metal Alchemist, Edward Elric finally sacrifices his ability to perform the magic of alchemy in exchange for his, to transmute his brother's body back into existence. And then as a result, you know, they brought the metaphysical back into the physical, and then he got his brother's body back. He sacrificed that, and that's what he gained for it. Or look at it this way, Spock from Star Trek, said it even better. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few when he is considering sacrificing himself for the sake of his friends. There is no greater love than when a man gives up his life for his beloved. That is the kind of sacrifice of self that the philosopher types need to wield for their philosopher's stone. I talk about how they, they continue to study and how studying is how they can develop the skills and the knowledge necessary to create their own philosopher's stone where they're sacrificing their own time and not taking the easy route, easy street. How many times have you heard of an ENFP say easy street? The whole term easy street was coined by ENFPs. When have you ever heard that? See, Deltas are all about sacrifice of self. They understand that they're creating that library of Alexandria within, that they're creating a philosophy. They're creating a standard of living. How many times have you heard uh, Tony Robbins speak about the law of attraction or talk about priming or, uh, um, or affirmations or all these things? Because to him, these are philosopher stones, plural, that he's created to gain success in his life by studying people who are successful. And he's taking their philosopher's stones or pieces of them and integrating them into his philosopher's stone for everybody else's benefit. This is what he does. Because a self-sacrificing, someone who uses their own blood, sweat, tears, and treasure to gain their philosopher's stone, that kind of delta type, these STJs, NFPs who do this, they are more focused on the meaningful and not the expedient. They recognize that hard work equals hard results. Ask, seek, knock, and it will be given to you. Jesus said that, right? And the ones who are all about self-sacrifice, who learn that, understand that they need to keep going. They need to keep asking. They need to keep seeking. They need to keep knocking. They're trying to consume the truth. Why is it TE child and TE inferior benefits the most from reading? Why is it the INFP out of all the types can become the most brilliant of us all? Because when they read, they can see how it all fits together. Even subjects that don't even have anything to do with one another and all of a sudden they're linked together through their expert intuition parent and they can actually create 
philosophies, standards, systems, new ways of doing things that end up being translated into laws and rules and standards with which will benefit mankind instead of sacrificing their fellow human beings then using blackmail as their weapon. Because that's what happened to us recently. I was effectively blackmailed, right? See, I talk about, you know, I use the diamond example all the time, you know, where life, life is pain. Life is full of pain, right? And we have to, uh, and diamonds are, are made of carbon, just like human beings. And diamonds are created through pressure and heat over a long period of time. It is the most, is the hardest substance on the planet. It's no, it's so interesting to me that philosopher types, Delta Quadra, they're SI users, very hard earthen substance within them, right? Metaphysically speaking. And that introverted sensing, they end up becoming a diamond through all the pain and all the hard work of their life. They become a diamond. They become super valuable. Their opinion is so valuable that they're able to use their opinion for the good and to write good rules and standards and philosophies to create a utopia for mankind. This is attainable because they themselves have become a diamond because the diamond is a stone like the philosopher's stone. Don't you see? Don't you get it now? James chapter one, verse two. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, pains in life, you know, problems, issues, knowing that the testing of your faith or steadfastness, testing of your perseverance, right, produces endurance. It produces, uh, uh, and you know, and by the way, and when you're enduring, let your endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, you know, like a diamond uh, lacking in nothing. Do you, know what, do you know what the definition of complete and lacking and no, nothing is? It's holy. It's holiness. This is what is attainable for Delta Quadra. They can become holy if they sacrifice themselves. Do not take your pain for granted, Delta Quadra. Do not take it for granted. It's making you better. Seek the pain. If you're depressed, take joy in your depression because that depression is going to lead to better as you're trying to seek the answer. If you're too lazy to get off the couch and find the answer to solve your own problems, or at least to ask a TI user for help in the process, because they will help you because they're FE, they're going to help you, why won't you do this? Holiness is attainable by being complete and lacking nothing. And you can have it, Delta Quadra. Don't take your pain for granted. Self-sacrifice is the key to creating the true philosopher's stone. And then new levels bring new devils. So that when you're developing self through self-sacrifice, your philosopher's stone, you'll be able to continue to meet the challenges as you grow. This is what Tony Robbins teaches all the time. But how do you actually have that self-sacrifice? The answer to that is gratitude. Gratitude is what drives self-sacrifice. If a Delta Quadra type can be grateful for what they have, an ESTJ, grateful. ESTJ statistically are actually kind of the healthiest of all the types, statistically. Go watch Austin Williams. He's a Delta Quadra. He's an ESTJ. He's very fit pretty blessed. He should be grateful for that and help other people around him to obtain 
a similar physique or health or capability. Oh, wait, he does. That's pretty cool. That's an ESTJ, guys. You know? Or an ISTJ should be grateful with their success, you know, in terms of being able to handle taxation and laws and legalities and whatnot and help other people do that. Wow, some of them do. That's awesome, you know? Uh, ENFP should be grateful for everything that they have, grateful for being made to feel special, grateful for being given, being given special treatment because that's what ENFPs demand is they demand special treatment, let's be honest, such that they go out of their way to give other people special treatment. That's the difference, right? Maybe we should be giving society special treatment, right? Or INFPs, right? Where they're grateful for all the experiences, grateful for uh, everything that life has brought them and where they understand what they don't deserve, what they have, and they help other people who do not deserve and they are less fortunate get to where they need to be so that those people can have a better future, right? If they are gratitude, if they are grateful, they will engage in self-sacrifice and create their philosopher's stone in a way that doesn't harm their fellow be human beings, but actually supports their fellow human beings. And, they, and this, this humbles them. Self-sacrifice humbles those deltas. Self-sacrifice makes those deltas into better people. And then they end up living an example. No wonder people gave deltas authority. No wonder people allowed them to make the rules. No wonder they're masters of the affiliative because deltas, they weren't always so depraved or corrupt. They weren't always needing to be tarred and feathered and publicly shamed. Perhaps some deltas actually did do the good and people trusted other deltas like those deltas, those great deltas. But then something happened along the way. We can bring ourselves back as a race. We can get there together. Why is this important? Delta Quadra, out of all of the Quadras, has the ability, just like the ENFP, and the ENFP is leading in this area, to basically, because Delta Quadra, especially ENFPs, ENFPs end up being shown the most mercy of all the types. And because of that, they need to be merciful to others and grateful for the mercy that's been shown to them. Just like my ENFP mentor who did not have to spend the rest of his life in federal prison. And that's what he does. He's grateful for that. And he's helping other people not make the same mistakes he did, right? And that's his philosopher's stone. That is his success, the success of his story, his legacy, right? A legacy that his parents and so many other people like him have come to inherit and understand. And he is a beacon of hope for others. He's producing hope for others, right? This is what can happen. This is what deltas can achieve. All that studying in the Library of Alexandria to get all of that knowledge to be able to create their Philosopher's Stone. When they have to look towards their own pain and realize that is the source of their Philosopher's Stone, their own self-sacrifice as a result of them being grateful for the special treatment they have been given, such that they go out of their way to use their Philosopher's Stone to give others special treatment. The less fortunate, the weak, the poor, they need to be grateful. They need to be charitable. Yeah, it sounds like I'm talking about ENFPs, but honestly, this applies to all Delta Quadra. They have to be the ones carrying that moral standard, right? They're the ones that have to do their duty, right? They're the ones that 
are helping us guide our future so that Templars can execute that future for us and bring us into a better world. Are they not supposed to do this? They are supposed to do this. But instead, they often want to make that Faustian deal and sacrifice their fellow human beings for their own personal gain. This is not good, folks. It needs to stop. Delta Quadra needs to understand that their legacy needs to be that of self-sacrifice and not that of their fellow human beings. In order for us to have mercy for our race, in order for us to have potentially utopia for our, our race to live in, all Deltas have to rise to the occasion and recognize that with great power comes great responsibility. Because if they do not, this world will just get closer and closer to hell because it's lacking in holiness. It, how many times, like Templars are built, you know, Templars are people who seek righteousness and build strong character in other people, especially philosophers. It is the Templars' job to help the philosophers attain righteousness, to attain holiness, because the Templars see that potential within the philosophers where they can have their holiness go into their philosopher's stone and be that I win button, not just for themselves, but for mankind and Fotel. That's the future I want. That's the future they can bring. As long as they're willing to sacrifice themselves as a result of the gratitude they, they should have in order to obtain it. Such is the way of the Delta Quadra. If you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, stay tuned because we're going to have our Q&A session right now. So let's, uh, let's begin and uh, keep on going. Hopefully I'm still recording here. Let's see here. Uh, I think I might have lost the uh, thing here. Hopefully I did not lose the uh, lecture. See if I can uh, join it and rejoin. <clears throat> 